Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture, and I am your host, Cherie Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, educator, early education specialist, PBS early learning champion, and I'm not trying to brag, although I could, I like to sometimes. I'm actually just trying to let you know that I have a little bit of credibility, a little bit of uh, experience in the area, and sometimes I know what I'm talking about, and when I don't know what I'm talking about, I don't talk about it on here. I talk about it with friends. Uh, with Crystal, who's the podcast producer, I'll be like, hey, y'all, I'll be having venting sessions with her before I hit record. But that is me in a nutshell. Uh, you're listening to the Black Love Podcast Network, who has been critically acclaimed in several places lately. If y'all are not following the whole podcast network, please follow, listen to every podcast. You will not be disappointed. Um, as always, I like to start with the peak and pit of my day. The peak and pit is something that I do with my family. I got it from the Kardashians. That's my guilty pleasure. I was watching an episode of the Kardashians and they shared how they always share the peak and pit of their day at the dinner table. And I was like, I like that, guys. We're going to do that. So we started sharing the peak and pit of our day. It's the best part and the worst part. It allows us to connect with each other, start up conversations, understand what's going on in each other's day. And a lot of times we come up with things that like we wouldn't have known if we we're not practicing peak and pit. Like it's something that maybe the pit happened earlier on in the day, fell to the wayside, forgot to talk about it. Um, But it opens up an opportunity to hear about these different things, whether it be with teachers or friends or partners or coworkers, whatever it is. So I love it. And it's something I want to do here with my community every time. I'm gonna start with the peak. The peak of my day is actually my 13 year old Christina. I get so many wonderful like reviews. Can we call them reviews? So many people are always just telling me amazing things about her. And it makes me very proud as a mom. And, you know, as your children are younger, you you get a lot of like, oh, your child is so beautiful. Oh, they're so well-spoken. Like little things that, that you like to hear. But as she's getting older, I get more substantial comments about her. And more recently in this past week, today included, um, I've gotten several comments saying that Christina is someone that one, parents are like, I love that she's my child's friend because she's a great influence and she really knows how to like keep him in check, but in a respectful way. (laughs) And she really knows how to draw her boundaries. And today her teachers, two of her teachers had told me that she was really good in class at speaking up about what her boundaries are making requests to the people around her to respect her boundaries and to respect her. So she actually said in class that one of her requests, as they get ready for this trip, she's going to Iceland. I don't know if I told y'all, but my baby's getting ready to travel with her class. And so her class was talking about, you know, class values. What are some requests that we have from the class? What are some fears that we have about what the trip might bring? And so one of her requests was that everybody in the class respect her, respect her personal space, respect her body. And for a 13-year-old, it just made me proud to hear that that's where her mind is and that she knows, one, that's something that she values and wants. Two, that she's not afraid or embarrassed to communicate that with people. Three, that she's in a space where people can respect the fact that that's even what she wants, right? And not like point and laugh. I feel like when I was 13, I'd be scared to say something like that. I would think everybody would be like, oh, she's such a nerd. Look at her. So I just love everything about it. And I love that I have also heard that she stands up for what is right and what is wrong. And that if people are, you know, saying things that are inappropriate, she can kind of check them and be like, oh, that's not cool. We're not doing that. And I love that. And I also love hearing that because 
in what I do, I feel like I'm always trying to give my children language. Like, if you're in this situation, here's what you can say. You know, a lot of you, if you follow me on, on Instagram or listen here, a lot of you come looking for scripts. You're like, what are the things I can say to my children? And for me, one of my experiences as my children get older, the things and the scripts that we would say are said in a 38-year-old voice. And my children are like, mom, nobody talks like that. That's lame. Nobody says that. So I love hearing the scripts in 13-year-old form. And I would actually love to like sit down with a classroom full of 13-year-olds and go over all of the quote, cool, unquote, ways to say different things to be able to like respect your boundaries, to be able to stand up for yourself. So y'all, if you have a 13 year old, you can tell them that you can tell them that they can say, that's not cool. We're not doing that. It's that simple. She says that and people respect it and they listen and they move on. And I love it. So that's the peak of my day is just this feeling of like all these things that I've been doing intentionally, spending time with her, giving her scripts, practicing scenarios with her, you know, checking in with her, seeing how her day is going, but actually finding out that these things are not only have they been seeds that have been planted within her, but that they're growing and sprouting in their own unique and individual ways within her and that she's actually using the tools that I've been trying to give her um, and picking up great tools from people around her and that she picks great people to be around. I'm very proud of my daughter, y'all, if you can't tell. That is the peak of my day. Uh, The pit of my day is that my husband was late coming home, right? And like, if I didn't have anywhere to be, that might not be the pit of my day and it might not bother me as much. But I that is one of the things that really trigger me, y'all. When we talk about like things that trigger you and stories you tell yourself about somebody's actions, it sets me off when you're late. Because the story I tell myself is like, You don't care about where I have to be. You don't care about what I have to do. You think your stuff is more important than my stuff. I don't feel like I am valued or seen or respected, right? Like I spiral. I I don't even know if it's a spiral. Y'all, that's how I feel. I don't know if anybody out there feels me. If you've ever had people who are just late on your time and you feel really disrespected, especially when it's your partner, because you feel like we got to do this thing together and I can't do this without you. If I can just share one thing for a moment, is that when I think of love, right, because I got to connect it back to black love. When I think of love, I think about how I studied that the root word of love is actually charity. I don't know how many of y'all know this. Before the word love, there was only the word charity, which is actually where my name comes from. My name, Sharice, comes from charity, which in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, if y'all know it, you know it. Love is, that used to be charity is. Charity is kind. Charity is, I don't, I can't quote it. I wish I could, but I can't quote the whole thing. Y'all can go look it up if you have a Bible and you read the Bible. Um, But love is charity and charity is giving to people who are in need, right? So like I needed time. I needed him to show up and give me my time. That would have been the form of love. And he, in that moment, needed grace, I didn't give it to him, but he probably needed grace from me. And love would have looked like me having a little more grace and compassion and how I responded to him being late. So that's just a little message I want to share with you, because as we love our children, sometimes we look at love as like all these things that we do for our children. I drive you around. I make you food. I do these things. And we get resentful because sometimes it's not like returned in the ways that we want it to be. 
But love is charity. It's something that you give without the expectation of getting it back. Like if you see someone in need of food and you buy them a meal, you're probably not going to be waiting to see that person on another day for them to return the meal to you. You know what I mean? So as we love our children, as we love our spouses, just think about the fact that love is supposed to be charity. It's supposed to be giving people who are in need, whether that need is patience, autonomy, time, uh, respect, boundaries, whatever it is. Uh, so that's that's my little message for today. <laughs> Let me know what you think or if I should keep those thoughts to myself in the future. Um, anyways, I have been getting a couple of questions from some listeners, which I absolutely love. And I'm here because I want to connect with you all. I want to support you all. So I want to get into some of those questions today. One of our first questions is from Frenchie in New Jersey. I love that name. I don't think I've ever met someone named Frenchie. <laughs> Frenchie has got a teenage daughter. And she says that her teenager is consistently going against the rules. She's lying about it, big or small things. She's sneaking things behind our backs. And long story short, Frenchie says that she's not that her daughter is not allowed to wear makeup, but her daughter is stealing mom's makeup and going to school with makeup on. She said she's in eighth grade and they don't feel like eighth grade is an appropriate age for her to start wearing makeup. Frenchie says, help, in all capital letters. So Frenchie, I feel you because I also have a 13-year-old and I also have these situations where, you know, sometimes they are trying to do things that you don't want them to do. And if you don't want them to do it and they know you don't want them to do it, then they're trying to do it behind our backs. One of the first things that I think about in a situation like this is the idea of anytime you see resistance, focus on the relationship. So try to remember those two R's. Resistance equals relationship. And I say that because these type of situations, we kind of want quick fixes. And to be honest, if I haven't said it before, y'all should know, regardless of how old your child is, you get two different forms of toddlers <laughs> when they are actually a toddler and when they are a teenager. You get a teenage toddler. And I'm not saying that in a, in a way to try to demean the teenager, Research shows that when our children hit those teenage years, their brain starts developing in a way that is very similar to the brain activity of a toddler. So you start to get these surges in hormones, you start to get these changes in sleep, you start to get a lot of different changes physically in their body, but also in their brains, and it affects their behavior. And so even this like lying, we think that by the time they're 13, that they are able to tell us the truth and able to navigate through in a way that we feel like you've been doing that. You've been here 13 years now. You should know this, right? But the research shows that the 13-year-old brain is doing the same activity as the three-year-old brain. And so those same stage that we were in at that three-year-old toddler phase, we are at now at a like new 13-year-old toddler stage with our teenagers. And so the, that same type of resistance that we're getting at 13 is the same type of resistance, if you remember, that you probably got at three years old. And so to the mama of the three-year-old and the mama of the 13-year-old, when you're getting that resistance, focus on the relationship. Rather than trying to move into a straight, quick fix of like, I said no makeup, we're not wearing makeup, and having that resistance, try spending some time with them 
One, just on a regular basis, building your relationship with them so that you're someone that they want to connect with more. You're someone that they want to honor and respect the rules and boundaries more with. Because also one thing we have to consider is like, as a parent, you want to stay on your child's team. And one of the cycles that we get stuck in with our children is setting ourselves up to be on the opposite team as them. Our child is 13. Research says that on average, children between 12 and 15 years old, that's the age that they're starting to wear makeup and starting to experiment with makeup and put makeup on. So imagine that they're going to school and like this is something all of their friends are doing. And they come home and you're telling them, no, you can't do that. You can't do what everybody's doing right now. But you're not having a conversation about it. You're just saying, these are the rules, follow the rules. So your child is feeling like, oh, you don't understand. I'm in this environment. All these things are happening. I see what's normal. I see what's average. You don't understand. At this point, we're on an opposite team as them. So we want to be on the same team as them. That takes focusing on the relationship. It takes talking to them. Try to understand why it is they want to wear makeup. What do they get out of the makeup? Are they wearing it because everybody's doing it? Are they wearing makeup because this is how they want to express themselves and they're trying to find their fashion and their taste and whatever else? Are they doing it because they don't feel good about themselves and they don't think that they look good without the makeup and they're trying to be pretty? There are so many different reasons why a 13-year-old might try to put on makeup and finding out why they want to put on the makeup is going to help you more than just telling them not to put on the makeup. It's one of those situations where we're trying to find the root problem. And that is going to take time spent. In the meantime, you might consider some type of compromise or balance. And, you know, as a parent, I don't think that you always should be compromising with your child. For me, some things are hard no. And that just is what it is. There are a couple of things I want to say when it comes to this, you know, balance about your child wearing makeup and lying to you and running behind your back. You could go the route of In the meantime, while you're making that connection, building the relationship, trying to figure out what need is being met by the makeup, you could go the route of saying, let's go buy you some lip gloss. I remember when I was 13, I used to wear lip gloss. They had this like mascara that has no color. Have y'all seen that? It's like it's like clear mascara. It's just supposed to kind of pronounce your eye eyelashes a little bit more. They have the same thing for your eyebrows. So it's kind of like a gel for your eyebrows and your eyelashes, which will allow them to be a little more pronounced, a little more structured and spread out. Your eyebrows can be a little more organized, but it's not actually makeup. You're not adding any color to your face in any way. So I don't know if you're comfortable with that, but maybe some lip gloss for them, maybe with a little shade on it, maybe some clear mascara that they could wear. Maybe a little bit of what I was laughing at earlier is I remember I used to buy this like foundation. I think Neutrogena had it, but it was literally a clear foundation. I just wanted to wear makeup so bad that I was like going to take anything. So it was some type of foundation that was supposed to like help oil on your face. I don't know. But it was a type of powder that made my face a little less oily at 13 years old. And it just made me feel like I was doing the thing. I'm like, all right, I have all my clear mascara, my clear foundation, my clear lip gloss, and I felt a little bit cuter and it made me feel like I was a little bit more grown and could, you know, step into my womanhood as I was transitioning from child to woman, which is also something to consider. I have a lot of compassion for like early 13 year olds because I think that they are just stuck in this weird vortex. We have childhood and we have adulthood. We don't even have like teenhood. 
teenage years are the ghetto. Like they are not in a neighborhood. When you're a child, you're in childhood. When you're an adult, you're in adulthood. And when you're a teenager, you're just in the ghetto. Everything's weird. You're trying to figure things out. So I have a lot of compassion for teenagers. And I hope that maybe even just in the small conversation, you're able to gain a little bit more compassion for your 13-year-old as well so that you can focus on that relationship because I think that's the thing that's going to help you the most. If you don't want to do makeup at all, the second thing I would say is going back to the pillar E, which is environment and switching up your environment a little bit. If your child is finding your makeup and stealing your makeup and wearing it and you are totally against them having any makeup, uh, put your makeup somewhere else. (laughs) It's as simple as that. Like move your makeup to where they can't get it. I'm not saying you have to hide it from them. Just keep it where you can see when they go to access it and keep it, you know, don't put it in the bathroom where when they go in the bathroom, they can snag some and take it to school with them. Put it away where they can't have access to it um, so that at least you're not also then talking about the issue of like, now now you a liar and a thief, right? (laughs) Don't let your child be a thief also. Don't set them up to be a thief. So move your stuff so they can't get it. Uh, And then on those other things, talk about those. Like talk about the issue of honesty. This isn't even about you wearing makeup. This is an issue of we need to trust each other to be safe. We're on the same team. We have to practice honesty with each other. And remember that your child is still growing in their impulse controls. So their impulse might say, lie to them, lie to them, lie to them. And they might go with that. So also be a safe space where you can let them know lying isn't going to work. We have to work on honesty. But also, if you mess up, you can tell me I'm not going to take off your head. I don't know. Do people say that still? So yeah, focus on like honesty. Focus on what makeup can do to your actual skin. Like make sure that they are taking care of their skin. Make sure that they understand the effects. I don't know what your reasoning is behind not wanting your child to wear makeup at this age. For me, I don't want my 13-year-old wearing makeup because I still have the idea of like, I want you to be a child as long as you can be a child. For some people, it is about your body is still developing. And this is kind of the route that I would go with my child because I know that my child is trying to grow up and doesn't want me to keep her a child. And I know that I am not ready, nor do I want her to like grow up ahead of her years. So I might go the route of talking about her body still developing and makeup having a different effect on her growing, developing body than it does on a body that's already grown and how you don't want to mess up or affect or, you know, in any way mess with the way that your body is growing and developing. So you can also have that conversation because, again, that's a conversation that puts you on their team, right? Like, this isn't about me trying to knock down what you want to do and not letting you be you. This is about me caring for you and wanting to care for your body and teach you how to also care for your body. So I hope that helps a little bit. So our second question comes from Heaven in Detroit, Michigan. So I am newer to the gentle parenting journey, but when I try to introduce the concept to my friends or my family, they tell me that I'm on some white stuff and mock me. My children can be a bit rambunctious, and every time they get a little loud, I will get a comment about how I should give them a whooping. I'm really trying to break the trauma, but it's hard without support. So Sharice, what was it like for you trying to get started with gentle parenting, and what advice do you have for us who don't have any support? I think that's a great question. I think so many people are dealing with this issue. So Heaven, I thank you for bringing this up and asking this question. For me, well, I will say that my journey is a little bit different because if you all know or remember, I started out a teacher. 
So I was a teacher for years and years before having children. And so the way that I interacted with my nieces or my nephews, it was in my teacher voice and it was with my teacher habits. So I think that even before I became a parent, a lot of my family knew what I would look like as a parent. And then when I did become a parent, I'm okay, I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm with you, Heaven. I'm with you. <laughs> so for me, it didn't sound like you want some white people stuff. For me, the comments were always like, oh, you you such a teacher. But I could hear what they were really saying. <laughs> I could hear that they were not saying like, oh, I'm so impressed with how you just managed that. I could hear that many times that comment, you're such a teacher, was really like, nah, girl, you need to whoop them. And so I get that. I think that a lot of this really has to do with being able to validate yourself sometimes. Even in gentle parenting, we have this idea of like, teaching our children to validate themselves, teaching them not to look to outside validations. And we were raised a lot with learning to please others and get that outside validation. So now when we're trying to do this new thing, whether it be in parenting or a career or whatever it is, we are still looking for that outside validation. And we feel like that is needed to tell us that we're doing the right thing or that we should keep going. And to be honest, I think that there is a certain amount of validation that we need from people around us to keep us encouraged, to keep us doing what we feel is the right thing, especially in parenting, because parenting can be, not can be, parenting is hard and parenting is stressful. And so often, especially when we have this gentle parenting route that we're trying to do or journey, as you call it. There's an aspect of like long-term goals that we're trying to reach. There's so much like, I'm in this for the long run. I'm going to teach them how to listen and how to be respectful for the long run, but I got to tolerate certain things today. And then there are so many times where our children do things and we're like, man, I don't want a gentle parent. This would be so much easier if I could just smack them a little bit. This would be so much easier if I could just yell at them right now and tell them to sit down. So without that outside validation and and that outside support, as you say, like it is really hard to keep on the journey of gentle parenting. What I will say is that your friends and your family are entitled to their own beliefs and they have their own beliefs and we cannot change what they believe. We just, we can't do it and we can't do it fast enough for our own need for validation. What you are going to need is support outside of your family and friends. And there are so many mom groups, whether they be on Instagram or Facebook. I know that a little bit before the pandemic, there was a mom group that started on Instagram that I was a part of. And we started meeting in person And we would have dinners together and we would have giant play days together. And it was a group of like 50 black moms that were all on this gentle parenting journey. And we still have a chat today, right? This isn't actually like a group on Instagram. This is sort of a chat group that we have. But we still have this group today where we're sharing reels with each other and we're sharing experiences with each other. And we'll text each other and call each other and share what happened during the day or ask if anybody has advice. But that group is really the group where you get that validation and where they can say, I know it's hard or you did an amazing job. That was good. Keep going. Keep going. That's also the group where you're going to say, hey, I went to a family dinner today and guess what they told me? Guess what they did? Aunt Betty tried to kiss little Billy 
I don't know why I got these names, but Aunt Betty tried to kiss little Billy and tried to tell him he was rude when he didn't want to kiss and I didn't know what to do. This group that you have outside of your family and friends, they're going to be the group that are going to support you in those moments or after those moments. They're going to be the group that supports you and say, girl, I know last week I was with Aunt Pookie and same thing happened. So you don't you you can't expect people to change just because you decided that you were going to break a, a cycle, right? That's why you're the cycle breaker. It's not a family cycle breaking. You are the cycle breaker because you saw something that needed to be broken and something that needed to be changed. Now, as you spend time around your family and you do the parenting the way that you see fit, they're going to watch you and they're going to learn from you. They're either going to decide like, I like the way she did that or I don't like the way she did that. They're either going to change their outlook or they're not, but you can't really put your expectations on them. All you can do is continue to lead by example and stay true to what you believe and how you feel. But you can also let people know to stop saying certain things. You can let people know that's disrespectful. I won't let you talk to me that way. I'm not going to whoop my child. Don't keep suggesting that. If you keep suggesting that, I'm going to have to limit our time around you. You are going to have to be bold enough and strong enough to set boundaries with your family and then uphold those boundaries. And sometimes that is really hard. To this day, there are people in my life who I still have a hard time saying, she doesn't want the kiss right now. Back up. <laughs> like it, it is hard. It's uncomfortable. And the less we do it, the more uncomfortable it is and vice versa. The more we do it, the more comfortable it will be. But I think the same way, uh, if you've listened to past episodes, when we talk about, you know, prepping your child for what it's going to look like at the end of an activity that they like doing, what it's going to feel like, uh, prep yourself as well. Prep yourself that you already know what it's going to look like with your family. Prep yourself for what it's going to feel like. It's going to feel uncomfortable. So what are the tools that you can grasp in those moments? What are the affirmations that you can say to yourself in those moments? Maybe the affirmation is, I'm a cycle breaker and cycle breaking is hard, but I can do this. Maybe the affirmation is I have support, you know, from this group and I'm going to go talk to them afterwards. I, I think that you're going to have to get the tools within you um, and for you and then get the support outside of your friends and family and draw the boundaries. You're going to have to figure out where you can be with your family. Part of cycle breaking, which is hard, is that some of these relationships change. Some of the activities and the outings change. Maybe you know that you can only be at the family dinner while the family is eating. But as soon as, you know, dinner's done and people start to get a little loose and say whatever they want, maybe that's the time that you know it's time to exit. We're going to stay for an hour and then we leave because that's when people start getting messy and I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't told them how I felt. They don't respect it. So I'm out of here. Um, and I don't know if that's the answer you want to hear. So I'm sorry if that's not the answer you want to hear, but that's the answer I got. But I definitely think that there is support for you. You can listen to the Mama's Den. They got support there. You got support here with me. I've got the Parenting for the Culture Club. That's a community right there of people who are trying to gentle parent and who are there to support one another and share those struggles. So join us there. It's a Google Classroom. It's totally free. But it's specifically there to be that community and be that support for people like yourself who are on the gentle parenting journey and maybe don't have the support around you. People like myself who are on, on the gentle parenting journey and at one point maybe didn't have the support that I wanted. I will say, and hopefully this will be hope for you, is that as the years have passed, 
I definitely from my family get a lot more acknowledgement and praise about the way that I have parented. And they give me a lot more compliments than they do criticisms. And I'm very grateful for that. And I think that, you know, my family has been really amazing and supportive. So shout out to my family. So yeah, that's what I got for you. Now, y'all, I do have a couple more questions, but I do not have more time. So I want you to make sure that you keep coming back to listen to these episodes. Uh, And as always, I do have homework for you. So part of the kind of thread that I see even in the questions today was this idea of spending time with your children. So your homework this week is to take out 10 dedicated minutes each day, 10 minutes a day, even if it's the 10 minutes where they're in bed and you're reading a book, but take 10 minutes each day, put your phone away, don't be looking at your phone, make sure you're not doing anything else and just give your child that attention. If you're like me and you have six children, make it five minutes, make it two minutes. If you can afford to do 10 minutes, for me, that would be an entire hour. I don't know if I can do an entire hour every day. (laughs) If you can afford to do 10 minutes, do 10 minutes. But even two minutes a day where you are dedicated to playing a quick game with your child, talking about their day, reading them a book, writing a story with them, doing a quick dance with them. You can even like brush your teeth together. Just take a few minutes a day this week and dedicate that specifically to your child to work on that relationship aspect, getting on their team, connecting with them and letting them know that you are there to support them and that you are the person they can go to when they're in need. And that if you are have a problem with something like they, they don't think that you have a problem with them personally because they know you are on their team. So do that. Let me know how it works. Let me know what improvements you see from spending a little bit more time with them. If you are someone that has a question, please send me your questions. You can submit a question in the Google form right here in the show notes, or you can send me a question on Instagram at Sheree Sims, or you can email us at podcasts with an S at blacklove.com. But submit your questions, uh, come back and listen to the next episode where I'll be answering more questions or in the future. I don't know. Next episode, we actually got a lot of things planned for future episodes that I'm excited about. We're going to be talking about screen time. We're going to be talking about summer activities, pool safety, um, bullying at school. We've got a lot of things lined up. So make sure that you come back and listen. Make sure you send your questions and come back next week. Peace, everybody. Peace, everybody.